The reading today is taken from Joel chapter 2, verses 21 to 27. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wildness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. And Rach is going to come and speak to us now. Thanks. Morning, everyone. So harvest has come round again. Now, in the summer, I spent two weeks travelling on my family's narrowboat. Love it. Absolutely love it. It was through the beautiful Shropshire countryside. Let's try that one again. Shropshire countryside. And one of the things about being on the canal is that so many of them run right past open fields and open farmland. And quite a few of the days we were away, in between all the rain showers, we could quite often see the farmers getting in the harvest. And because you were right, literally right next to them, there were these huge, huge pieces of machinery. And it just blows my mind. Every time I see it, it just blows my mind how much hard work goes into bringing the, the harvest in, the length of time it takes the farmers to get it in. Because sometimes we were still travelling sort of six, seven o'clock in the evening trying to find somewhere to moor up for the night. And the farmers were still going with their massive big lights on the front of their, uh, their whatever, uh, combine harvesters. It just blows my mind every time I see it. And as we travelled along at the dizzy speed of two miles an hour, it actually gave me time to reflect on the beauty of the harvest time and in that moment to thank God for his goodness to us and providing us with all the things that we need to sustain us. But harvest is also a really good time to think not only about the food and the crops each year, but it's also a good time to take a moment to pause and focus on the thing that has actually allowed the food to grow in the first place, the world that God created. God has provided us with a living planet which gives us food, water, shelter. But not only that, it also teaches us about who God is. Jesus says that if we look closely at creation, we will see God constantly providing and caring for it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus invites us to take a closer look at creation Matthew 6, 26 and 28, he says, Look at the birds of the air, and a bit later on, see how the flowers of the field grow. 
So what is it we can learn by paying attention to the world that God has made? We can see that God cares about every tiny little aspect of that world that he's created. He didn't create it, sit back, think, great, I'll just leave it to do its own thing. No, he's an ongoing presence, providing and sustaining the world so that it can continually provide everything we need as humans. And as humans, we hold a special place in God's heart. We are his image bearers, uniquely created to be in a relationship with him. But even though we hold that privileged position, God still cares about every other part of creation. Now, there are some that might argue that as humans, we've taken advantage of that position and we've not honoured God by looking after his world how he would have wanted it to be looked after. The Bible's very clear that our human sinfulness affects not just our hearts and our relationships, but the very earth that we live on. Paul writes in Romans 8, For the creation was subjected to frustration, in the hope that the creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Now, unfortunately, we don't have to look very far to see the evidence of the damage that we as humans have done to the world, where we've caused the earth to groan. We've got plastics in our oceans, species driven to or on the brink of extinction, pollution of the air. I could list so many more, couldn't I? And I'm sure everyone in here today can. But what's caused it? Is it selfish priorities? Is it that we worry more about our own needs instead of seeking God's priorities? If we go back to Matthew again, And he points out this time in chapter 6 still, but verses 31 to 33, he says, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. It's a very clear instruction. Seek God's kingdom first, his rule, his reign. Sometimes in church, we might think that God's kingdom is just about church and spiritual sounding things, but it's not just that. When the Bible talks about the coming kingdom of God, it uses language that includes every aspect of God's creation. Now, you're probably wondering where our reading from Joel actually comes in. Fear not, I haven't got the wrong passage which is the nightmare of every leader stroke preacher combination that you've got the wrong wrong reading and the sermons don't match. But don't panic. So why did we have that reading? Well, this is why. The passage from Joel that we had read to us is a great example of where the Bible uses this language to show how much God is involved in his creation, where we see God renewing his creation. So Joel is a prophet who is looking forward to the age of the Messiah when the results of Israel's disobedience will be put right. Now, that doesn't mean just humans will be restored. It includes the land and all that is in it, 
In our passage today, this is the Lord replying to Joel and the people of Israel. The first verse that we had read to us reminds us not to be afraid and reminds us that God has done great things in the past, so surely he will do great things in the future. And verse 22 says, Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit, the fig tree and the vineyard their riches. And each verse of this passage is promise after promise after promise of abundant harvest, of nature fulfilling its original potential. And every aspect of God's world is being restored, which is then echoed in the book of Revelation right at the end of the Bible, where in chapter 22, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Here we see a city full of abundance, bearing fruit and providing healing for all God's creation. These are pictures of what Jesus meant when he said, "'Seek first God's kingdom.'" God's priorities are for his whole creation to be restored. If we return to the passage from Joel, it also reminds us of this restoration. We need to remember who is responsible. We need to rejoice and praise the name of God as it is he who has worked wonders for us and for creation. We see that in verse 26 of the passage. And each of us will do that in our own way through prayer, song worship, etc. But right now, we have choices about how we live in relation to God's creation. We're at a pivotal point. Are we going to treat it selfishly, where we think only of our own needs? Or will we partner with God in caring and renewing his creation? God is not asking us to do this on our own. He is inviting us each to play our part. And today, through this service, we're going to give you an opportunity now to think about how you might like to do that. Amen.